It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to the Jewess Patriot Show. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish women activist, you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy. You uh, don't have to be Jewish to follow our shows on WGBB Sunday mornings. And when you download us on every major outlet uh, around the world or follow my articles featured in the Times of Israel, Arucheva, and many other publications. Thank you so much for joining us on this very important show, one very close to my heart. And we're going to open this show like we do each and every show with our pearls of wisdom, because in Yiddish, my name is Ziesel Perl, which is Sweet Pearl. And this segment is sponsored by the Freshwater Pearl Company, because you don't have to be Jewish to wear pearls. Pearls last a lifetime. And because Lots of pearls, share lots of wisdom. Today's opening is very close to my heart. I am going to talk about my own situation of anti-Semitism, of discrimination, and of retaliation for speaking up in the public school system. You know, until recently, parental rights and the public's awareness of what is going on in our public schools was kind of kept quiet. It was very carefully planned, and it still is, by powerful unions, by uh, endorsed and supported government officials, and by those in the business of making money within the school system, because you don't realize how many people are actually making money from U.S. public schools. The end result is it's your money. You are the taxpayer, and you should have every right to know what's going on and demand quality, whether or not you're in a city, a suburb, or whether or not you want a public or a charter or a homeschooling situation. It's your money. It's from the Department of Education where you pay taxes. Of course, the highlights of what's going on today talk about curriculum a lot. And, of course, the situation of illegal immigrants uh, being housed in schools with minors. That's a big issue because a lot of people want to know who's surrounding their uh, students. And a lot of teachers have the right to be teaching and working in a safe environment and knowing who's around them. So I think in that kind of situation, we could all agree. We are not saying we don't support immigration in this country, what we are saying is we support those that come in for the right reasons and the right way. The same way generations before came through Ellis Island and were checked for health reasons, for safety reasons, and to find out if they had relatives in the country who would help them 
get acclimated as Americans. So many of you know, but in case you don't, I'm just going to remind you that I was an award-winning elementary school teacher in a middle-class neighborhood in Queens, New York, where most of the student body and most of the staff members were from minority homes. I saw things that I saw were questionable that uh, violated my contractual uh, obligations and that even uh, coincided with state and federal laws regarding mandated reporting of suspected abuse and neglect in homes. I followed the protocols of going to the appropriate staff, supervisors, union members. I went to Randy Weingarten herself, and she visited the school. I went to uh, people from the mayor's office because at that time, like today, the mayor's office runs the school system. And I even have in writing from the Office of Investigations and the mayor's office a uh, email trail promising me whistleblower protection rights because whistleblower protection rights overrun states and federal laws, especially if you are a public employee like I was. So in 2011, I filed a lawsuit after getting nowhere and getting harassed and humiliated within my school system. Six months later, I was handed a re- illegal retaliation termination. Since the time of my initial lawsuit, we've had approximately, according to my attorneys, 45 conferences and postponements because for whatever reason, my opposition, the defendants in my lawsuit, the initial lawsuit, have refused to hand over the requested discovery demands that will help in evidence testimony and uh, the uh, demands for certain witnesses to appear in court or under oath in depositions. Well, watching what's going on with Donald Trump, I have to tell you whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican, black or white, living in a blue state or a red state, you have to say, You have to stand up because our judicial system, there is something going on that's just not right. And I can tell you from my own experiences. During my termination hearing, which was held after my hearing, my hearing officer who decided the case was paid six figures and heard from the plaintiff's own witnesses and saw from the plaintiff's own evidence that everything that I complained about was going on in the school was fairly accurate. That included a second-grade student testifying that the principal slapped him in the butt, that weapons and bullying was seemed commonplace in the school, and that services mandated to students were not provided. He was handed documentation submitted as evidence from witnesses from the Children's Protective Services, which we call ACS, the Office of Investigations, and the plaintiffs themselves that testified that paperwork submitted as evidence was either inaccurate or incomplete. 
He heard from the Department of Education's attorneys that a guidance counselor refused to testify because the principal handed in as evidence a statement that was typed and unsigned that the counselor claimed she never wrote, she never saw the incident involved in it, and that she never discussed it with the principal. And coincidentally, that statement was dated the same day I reported the principal slapping the second grade student. The hearing officer also heard from the Department of Education's attorney that the same principal had had a file filled with investigations, including an arrest for fraud against the New York City housing authorities and a complaint against her using the term CP time. Now, can you imagine if you stole from one government agency not being fired immediately? Well, in this case, not only was the principal rewarded to work in another government agency, but she was allowed to keep her job and retire with full benefits. That's like seven figures that your tax dollars went to. He also heard from multiple parents that state and federal confidentiality laws of mandated reporting were broken by the administration. When parents and guardians were told that I contacted ACS or the Children's uh, Protective Services about possible neglect, instead of complying with the ACF staff to complete accurate student reports as required by Social Services Law 413B, the administration and the delegates in my school met with parents and guardians to discuss me and asked them to write letters to the Department of Education to submit as evidence to this hearing. You see how everything was tailored? How a seasoned administrator and hearing officer couldn't put two to two and two and two together? You figure out why. Who paid his uh, fees and where does he side? He didn't side with the safety of your children, that's for sure. He even heard testimony from one of the parents and the school secretary admitting that the parent or guardian at this point had threatened harm to me and that the, you know we found out during the hearing that this guardian had a history with ACS that none of us even knew about when I reported the incident. Any objective judge could have easily compared reports, testimony, dates, and contents of letters, and given the time he spent on this case, come to one conclusion that I was right and that children in the school were being harmed, that staff members had the potential of being harmed, that the parents in the community had the potential of being harmed, and that your tax dollars were being wasted. However, I was terminated. It was an illegal termination because I had my initial ongoing lawsuit. From my initial lawsuit in 2011 till now, the Department of Education, according to my attorneys, has tried to dismiss my case and even submitted papers last year. They claimed after approximately 45 conferences, it was such an old case they could just get rid of it. However, a couple of weeks ago in New York Supreme Court, I won the right to retaliate my case, which is going to be an eye-opener for many of you, because in it you are going to see and hear from many people that have been running schools for decades, and you're going to hear how they did everything they can 
to harm me and to hurt others at the expense of their jobs and their benefits. The only deposition we were able to take in March 2020 for one of the assistant principals, well, she admitted under oath that during her testimony during my hearing that she submitted a, a, a piece of evidence that she wrote and not the person that she claimed wrote it. We were able to figure it out by the handwriting. That is something that the ju- I, I'll give the hearing officer leeway on because he doesn't know her handwriting. But she admitted it under oath already that she put into my termination hearing false papers. She testified in her own words that she was disgusted with me for reporting issues in the school such as safety and that she discussed her disgust with me with the principal, another plaintiff in my lawsuit, and according to her, other colleagues. Those were her words. She also testified about violence and safety issues and how the school administration handled or lack of handling safety, including a gun incident. So I want you to follow my case carefully because, yes, it is a case of discrimination and retaliation. There are a lot of questions about anti-Semitism in our schools. We saw it in the Cooney schools. We are hearing it now in the school calendars for next year as Jewish holidays are being taken away. And we are hearing it over and over again where Jewish professionals feel they are being targeted. Please reach out to me with your story and your incidents with documentation and evidence on social media, and I will follow up with you. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll be back after this commercial. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pro Company. We are excited to announce our new bridal packages for wedding season. We have curated a number of prepackaged combo sets that showcase our beautiful and versatile earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, specifically created for brides. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls, for all types of budgets and designs that will radiate your beauty on your special day. You can shop our bridal packages at thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. And for the entire month of June, please know your purchase will help a very special cause. We are donating 5% of our online sales to Runway for Recovery. It's a nonprofit organization that provides support for women and families impacted by breast cancer. Giving back is a big part of what we do as a company, and we appreciate your support as we give back to Runway for Recovery all month long. Thank you. Joining us now is Assemblyman Ari Brown. He represents the 20th District, which incorporates a lot of the South Shore towns and villages. And he has been in office since 2022. He has been very outspoken about fighting all hate. But as an Orthodox Jew, of course, on his mind is fighting anti-Semitism. And when a bill came to the floor last month that 
really had uh, a lot of anti-Semitic connotations and actions connected to it, Ari did what he thought was the most important, in which I always tell people. He wrote legislation and he held a press conference with many of his uh, co-assembly representatives and other elected officials. And Ari's here to tell us about uh, what happened and the follow-up. So thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, you know, when I, get, when I came into office, I never expected that I would be uh, taking this strong position, defending the Jewish people as I am right now. I'm a local governments kind of guy and ended up becoming the ranking member of local governments. A lot of other people were taking up the issue of anti-Semitism, and I, I felt it wasn't strong enough. Sure enough, you know, we had uh, many different issues uh, that forced me to jump in a little more than I thought I would. We had the issue of substantial equivalency last year, where the yeshivas were targeted, uh, at, you know, that the public schools would be more or less uh, influencing the curriculum. And this year we had the situation recently where the Democrat socialist uh, Zoran Kwame Mandami, who, as we all know, is the son of that anti-Semitic Marxist Columbia professor Mamu Mandami, um, and that filmmaker Mira Nairborn, who you know, both only looked to destroy the state of Israel in every single way, put, proposed a bill uh, that was so anti-Semitic, you know, they, they always use the thing, the, the ter- terminology and the phrasing, we're not against the Jews, we're just against the state of Israel. Once you hear that, you know, they're the worst anti-Semites. So uh, right away, all of my Republican uh, colleagues in the assembly joined me without hesitation. And we had a press conference at the Million Dollar Staircase, which was extremely well attended. Um, and uh, we proposed a bill. We actually, what we did was we spoke with Senator Ort, who had actually created a bill in the past um, that that addresses this issue in a very different and more global way. Uh, Senator Ort's bill was S-1528, and that bill uh, prohibits state contracting with and or investing with persons and businesses that promote, engage in activities to boycott American allied nations. So it goes way beyond Israel. It would include Ireland and Israel, of course, Japan, South Korea, and all signatory countries of the Southeast Asia and RIO treaties. Um, so it, it would, you know, Israel is unique because, you know, the tiniest of countries, so much of the uh, world does go after the state of Israel unfairly, but there are other countries that have a similar issue. So this bill would incorporate it. Then we, we have a bill in the assembly, which is its partner bill. So and, uh, I was going to say, this is a mainstream audience that has a lot of Christian Zionists and a lot of people that support what you discuss because you put it perfectly. If somebody has dislike for Israel, they tend to have other dislikes as well, and they have hate for other groups or other issues that are anti-American and anti-democratic. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm glad to see that 
uh, people are taking notice about the legislation and that you did counter it because in my opening and what I always discuss, social media doesn't win fighting anti-Semitism. It's the legislation. It's the people you put into office who actually you elect and you pay for with their tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Where do you see this going forward as we are getting closer to local elections in 2023? And of course, everybody's talking about the big elections of 2024. Well, I mean, you know, getting into the weeds with this particular issue, uh, I have wonderful colleagues on both sides. When I have an issue, I actually sit down with, I'd like to say each and every one. I can't sit down with each and every one because some of them I know are socialists and are only looking for the destruction of the state of Israel. Uh, you know, the, he was joined by three other um, assembly people, uh, Mitayanis in particular, uh, who with with glee look to destroy the Jewish people in the state of Israel. So those people I can't, when I sit down with my other colleagues, uh, they don't even hesitate. They may have written their own uh, speech or had their own press conference, but for, for, by and large, they could be so far to the left or so far to the right. When it came to this issue, they stood strong. So I believe that next session, this bill will end. Session basically ended. We may be meeting one more time, but there's no way I said it's not there anymore. So um, next session, we'll be introducing these bills, and I believe we'll have the support. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm especially proud because I know you way before your assemblyman and I know you are passionate about these things, how you you fight all hate locally. Uh, tell us what else, uh, what do you feel, because we keep seeing every day the headlines, all the troubles in Albany. What do you feel is something that Albany had a big success with? I want to hear something positive out of Albany. Well, I'd, I'd if like, we could say, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to say that there is something like that, but there isn't. Um, we're we've gone so far to the left, and it's not that the members on both sides take that position. For some odd reason, they live in fear, truly fear. Whether it's the speaker or other members of the Democrat caucus, I I, I don't I don't I mean I do understand, but such. They live in such horrific fear that they, they're afraid to say anything or do anything or vocally stand up for what's right. We've passed so many bills that harm our children in so many ways, like the clean slate bill. Basically, there, there's barely a crime that won't be not expunged, but made invisible from society to see really what's happening. You could hire someone that is a child molester. Yeah, they say there's some... Uh, is not necessarily that, but there's there's so many different things, so many horrific crimes, beating of people, and you could be hiring someone that could cause you a big problem in business and in life, and it doesn't mean anything. So many, uh, you know, transgender and this this kind of thing that'll harm our children. You don't see sp- people speaking up against that in the assembly or the senate. What about in education? This is a really big issue that I hear a lot of parents on both sides talk about. The funding this year came in very well for our public school systems. Um, even mental health got a, a, a quite a bit better. The funding was very good for that. Uh, I sit on the education committee, but um, 
you know, when it came, comes to uh, like Holocaust studies and things like that, you're not going to see any particular funding or any big push for further education. I mean, in truth, in, in the public schools, there's little to no uh, Holocaust education or anything of the like. I know we've had some assembly people push some legislation, but if you speak to the public school teachers and everything like that, it's near to nothing. But I think it was a big win this year in education. Funding was up. The schools are happy in every which way. Um, we have to work on the trickle down, for instance, charter schools. I know that's a tricky subject, but I'm a big believer in charter schools. When I used to be the vice chair of a particular industrial development agency and local development corporation, uh, we put together, uh, we did the financing for a number of charter schools and they were extremely successful. We have disadvantaged communities that really, really need schools like that, a choice. A parent shouldn't be stuck only sending their kids to one particular school. Parental choice are the key words in society today because that'll allow a parent to understand what the curriculum is in school, what the kids are being taught, where they can send their kids. Uh, today, parents have little voice. We've seen parents being arrested and harassed for speaking out, uh, whether their child was attacked in school or harassed in school. The parent is the criminal, and the criminal is the victim today. It's also educators who speak up as whistleblowers and who try to uh, expose what's going on in some of the schools or who refuse to teach what they are being asked to teach. It's uh, the Communist Manifesto, the George Soros's, They've all figured this out so many years ago. They've really taken over our educational system. Sometimes speak in certain libraries and places like that. Then I ask, how can you allow a transgender person? Not that they're, uh, they want to do what they want to do. Great. But in front of our children who are so easily influenced and they say, Oh, it's beautiful. It's inclusive. Do the inclusivity with your kids and grandkids. Oh, wait, wait. When I asked that question, most of them didn't have children or grandchildren. There was one director of a particular library who was explaining to me how beautiful and wonderful it is, and children need that. I said, would you allow your kids to do it? Oh, I don't have any kids. I rest my case. So I tell people, think about the days of Hollywood, of the Rock Hudson's and the Tab Hunters. Mm-hmm. People knew about it, and they did what they wanted. And so do people in your neighborhood, but it wasn't discussed. Why does it have to be thrown in everybody's faces? If you have Gay Pride Month, why don't we have, uh, you know, traditional marriage month or family month? I mean, the biggest, uh, I think that the biggest discussion among black men today is that they want to have their uh, families back. They see what's happening over the past 50 years. And I think it's not going to be coming from the Jewish voice, but from a black man's voice about the rebuilding of the family because they see how their communities have been destroyed. Yeah, well, that was a planned and orchestrated situation way before even the Johnson administration, but he certainly wiped out the black family in that regard and why to keep control of them. Certainly. I, uh, if he's telling me that people are waking up to that issue, I'm surprised, but I'm pleasantly surprised. You said about, you know, little by would, little, little by Hudson, little. And uh-huh. Tad Hunter, 
we didn't know uh, Liberace was gay. We just thought, you know, he was just, uh, you know, eccentric in some way. But people should live the way they want to live. Just don't force it on our children. Why does why do people's politics have to enter social media? Well, social media is one thing, but enter the entertainment industry or the sports industry. We're there to be entertained. We don't want to hear about your politics. Well, uh, we want to hear more from you. How can our audience reach out to you? How can we support you in your efforts to fight this outright hate and um, what we can do, how we can help you get the legislation passed? I'm always available. I'm this 24-7 guy. Uh, I have my campaign website, brownforassembly.com, spelled both ways, B-R-O-W-N-F-O-R. S A S S E M B L Y or Brown with the number four assembly.com. Or you could reach me through my uh, assembly email address, Brown A at nyassembly.gov. Brown A at nyassembly.gov. I'm always available. Probably the most responsive legislator. You know, I've been in office in different capacities for the last 25 years. I'm still the deputy mayor of my village, village of Cedarhurst. Always available. I'm here to serve. You know, we forget that we're, we legislate from a palace, a literal palace at the Capitol, probably undeservedly so. And people think that they're senators and assembly people and, you know, they're above it all. It's the opposite. We're here to serve. It seems to be forgotten for many, especially on the other side of the aisle. Well, I'd, I'd like to say, but a great majority of them don't even show up. The other day, the last day, most of them just drove away. They were clocked in because of a certain procedure that happened, and they weren't there. And the speaker got nervous because he would end up losing votes. So now we have to come back in two weeks uh, because they just weren't there. They are near to never in their seats. There's some of them who I never even met. How is that possible? A year? I haven't met some of them. And you are always available. Anybody I know knows that. Uh, People who we are friends with, who you just met, everybody knows you are available. Uh, Assemblyman Ari Brown, you're always welcome. Please keep us updated on everything. So many of our followers are your constituents. You are a name being talked about for a higher office in the future in New York Republican politics. And we're so lucky to have you. Well, thank God. Just thank you, Cindy, for everything you do. Just to make it clear, we have some great, great office holders, uh, you know, uh, Anthony D'Esposito and and people like that who are doing a wonderful job. And I hope they stay there for a very long time. So I don't have higher aspirations. I'm one of the oldest state legislators and uh, they're doing wonderful jobs fighting our cause and for the people. I wasn't saying they were leaving, whatever, but people always talk about who are the rising stars. You've made a name for yourself in Albany, and you can be very proud of it. Thank you so much. Thank you you for having me. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. We are excited to announce our new bridal packages for wedding season. We have curated a number of prepackaged combo sets that showcase our beautiful and versatile earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, specifically created for brides. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and designs that will radiate your beauty on your special day. You can shop our bridal packages at thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. 
And for the entire month of June, please know your purchase will help a very special cause. We are donating 5% of our online sales to Runway for Recovery. It's a nonprofit organization that provides support for women and families impacted by breast cancer. Giving back is a big part of what we do as a company, and we appreciate your support as we give back to Runway for Recovery all month long. Thank you. Welcome back. I want to update many of you about something that happened in court this week regarding Joey Borgin and the uh, man who beat him up in Times Square. We've had Joey as a guest on the show. This uh, case has received international attention, and he was in court this week. The man who beat up Joey Borgin with a crutch got 18 months in prison. He participated in a gang assault by hitting him with a metal crutch after prosecutors initially offered a six-month offer deal that was rejected by the judge as too lenient. Wasim Awadah, who previously pleaded guilty to second-degree attempted assault as a hate crime and fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon, was sentenced Tuesday to 364 days in jail for the first offense and six months for the second to be served consecutively for a total of 18 months. The incident occurred on May 20th, 2021, as uh, Joey Borgen was on his way to an event in Times Square. Co- uh, coincidentally, there were a string of attacks in Israel by Hamas. And in the Gaza, led by supporters of the Palestinians. Borgin was beaten up by five Arab men and one juvenile. And Borgin told everybody, and there were many witnesses to back him up, that the reason that he was attacked simply was because he was wearing a yarmulke. And... He did not exchange words with any of his assailants prior to the assault. He was 29 at the time, and he received multiple injuries, including a concussion. He had one surgery on his wrist, and he still needs another and still goes to physical therapy twice a week. And as many of you may recall, when he was here, he spoke about how not a day goes by where he is not haunted by the events. Prosecutors initially offered a plea, followed by a five-month post-release suspension that was uh, rejected by Supreme Court Justice Felicia Menon, and it was opposed by Borgin and Jewish organizations supporting him. Menon said the behavior of the group of assailants was despicable, disgraceful, and not how people behave in a civilized society. Worse, the New York Post reported that Awada said that he told the jail guard if he could do it again, he would. 
He has no problems doing it again. Borgen believes that even though Awada was made, uh, required actually to make a public apology, he doesn't truly believe him. The only thing that he believes that he is remorseful for was getting caught and now getting sentenced. Borgen told Hamodia magazine that he was pleased with the original six-month offer was raised, but that he was never happy with it. And he still doesn't believe even 18 months is enough because he's going to have to live with the repercussions of this for a lifetime, as well as his family and friends. He wanted this to go to trial, and he wanted it to see justice. The sad thing is that this is not a single incident. This is happening all over the place. And hate is rampant. Of course, most of the crimes are anti-Semitic, but as I keep saying over and over again, you don't have to be Jewish to be a victim of hate and a victim of crime. When someone wants to force violence, when someone wants to spur hate, they will do it. And I want you to keep that in mind. And we want to help you here. If you are a victim of a hate crime or have experienced hate, let us know because we are working together with organizations, both Jewish and non-Jewish, to fight the battles of hate, violence, and looking to solve with common sense people. Reach out on my social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. We are excited to announce our new bridal packages for wedding season. We have curated a number of prepackaged combo sets that showcase our beautiful and versatile earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, specifically created for brides. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls. For all types of budgets and designs that will radiate your beauty on your special day. You can shop our bridal packages at thefreshwaterprocompany.com. And for the entire month of June, please know your purchase will help a very special cause. We are donating 5% of our online sales to Runway for Recovery. It's a nonprofit organization that provides support for women and families impacted by breast cancer. Giving back is a big part of what we do as a company, and we appreciate your support as we give back to Runway for Recovery all month long. Thank you. Welcome back. I recently had the privilege of being a participant in the Jerusalem Conference in New York, where I met our next guest. Yigal Damani is the former CEO of the Yesha Council, and he is currently a board member of the American Friends of Judea and Sumeria. And many of you know those names from the Trump administration and everything that uh, the Trump administration and 
many of the leaders did both in the United States and Israel in uh, securing better relationships and uh, improving the uh, knowledge of what is going on in Judea and Samaria. And uh, we are here to learn more about your organization and what you are doing, especially because everybody's very concerned right now with what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, first, shalom. Hello, Sydney, and all the people that listen to uh, us right now. Um, shalom from Israel. Uh, it was a pleasure to see you and speak with you. Um, y- yes, I-, I want to tell something about, you spoke about the time, the, the uh, Trump administration, uh, and I want to open my uh, my interview here and say that not a lot of people in states know, but here in Israel, it's very, very important issue. The most important thing that uh, was at the time of Trump is the Pompeo Declaration. Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, that declared that Judea and Samaria, Yudave Shomron, is belong to the Jewish nation under the international law, and Israel can live there and can build there. And and settlement, it's not illegal. It, uh, it's official opinion of your government and your administration. And for us, it's, it's forever. It's a uh, it's declaration that will be forever. It's like a Balfour declaration that uh, uh, recognizes that this land is belong to the Jewish nation. And I will tell you a little story. Uh, uh, Mike Pompeo came to visit, visit us in the Shomron area, he came to Psagot Winery, and uh, the owner of Psagot asked me to say something to Mike Pompeo to speak. And I speak there and say to Mike Pompeo, you bring the God voice to the American policy. And this is amazing because Eretz Israel, Israel is belong to the Jewish nation, like the God said, like Akadosh Baruch Hu said, and, and Pompeo, bring that voice to the official opinion of the American administration. It's amazing. Well, actually, well before the Balfour Declaration, as in 1731 BCE, God promised Abraham this land. And uh, that goes back just a little bit before the Balfour Declaration, but even through history, even in 1922, in the League of Nations, this was a Jewish state. And many of our uh, listeners and followers are not Jewish, but understand the importance of the state of Israel as the only democracy. And many of our listeners also understand that in Israel, including the land of Judea, Samaria, Jews and non-Jews live together, work together. And I think that's a very important part of the discussion when you talk about your organization's part of educating and in, uh, getting involved in people's everyday lives. I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, recently we started a new project in in state. It's it started before two years, something like this, with uh, some friends from Brooklyn, from Atlanta, from Boston, 
Uh, there are big support of Yudan Shomron. They are big, strong with uh, our belief that they believe that Yudan Samaritans belong to the Jewish nation. But we 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 hear that a lot of people in states don't know what's happening in Judea and Samaria. They read the newspaper, they hear the media, not your media, but the other media, and they, they think, and, and they hear a lot of fake news, and they think that Judea and Samaria, it's kind of, you know, area of fighting, or it's not belong, it's, it's occupied territories or other people, but it's not true, it's, 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 it's a fake. Uh, I, tell, I tell you something about you say that we live together, Jewish, non-Jewish. I, I will tell you something about the BDS, okay? And this is what we try to educate people. Uh, Ten years before, uh, we have two factories in Judea and Samaria, uh, in Shomron industrial area, and suddenly they uh, the purchased by other uh, companies, and they move out from the Samaria area to the north of Israel, to other places, because they don't want to fight against the BDS. So what you know what's happened? Hundreds of Arab workers uh, lose their job and go home without money to give their children education and give them uh, uh, food to eat. Um, and this this is exactly what the BDS tried to do. He tried to beat our companies. He tried to beat our, our factories and hurt the agriculture. But when one factory is closed, hundreds of Arab workers going to home. So. The, the, the fake the fake BDS boycott is more uh, hard and more terrible to the Arab that live in our area and work with us together. This is why we started AFJS, American Friends of Judea and Samaria. Uh, we it's educational project that we 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 bring to Israel delegation of people leadership, uh, people that lead and influence people. And we show them in their eyes our uh, challenge and how we de uh, and our develop of the area, how, how we develop the area for everyone. You know, when I make a, when Yesha Council push master plan of uh, of transportation and bring for the government nine billion shekel, it's kind of two or three billion dollar to build new roads in Judea and Samaria. It's also help to the Arabs and also help to the Palestinians that we drive at the same road and we, unfortunately, we dead at the same car accident. And uh, when we improve the, the, the road and the infrastructure of transportation, it's also to them. So when we push the develop of the area is good for everyone and it's good and it's help. And I can give you another example of water and electricity and uh, economic and environmental and other things that we- The rights try of women. To Arab women live like Israeli women in this area, as opposed to what's going on in Arab countries. They love it, the opportunities they have in these uh, communities. Actually, I, I'm not Arab, you know, I'm not speaking on their name, but actually, I think most of the Arab here want that Israel stay at Judea and Samaria. They look at their brother and what's happened in the Gaza Strip under the Hamas control. And they think to ourselves, we are crazy. We want to be like this. Like in, in 50%, half of the people are unemployment. It's crazy what's happening in Gaza. And here in Judea and Samaria, because our factories, because our communities, there are something like kind of 30,000 uh, Arab workers in our communities. So this is one of 
the the knowledge that people don't know and the big problem is knowledge people don't know what's happening to the in area so we bring delegation to see it we we, we send from here from Judean Samaria people to speak in the community to give lectures I'm I will come back and the next uh, next month I come back to say to speak in in communities and I I, I ask people I ask people that hear us right now if you want to invite us to give a speech about what's happening in Judean Samaria, to tell you the truth, that you can fight against the BDS and against all our enemies in America, if you want details, if you want knowledge, if you want to get uh, more, uh, more knowledge about what's happening in the area, you can invite us, you can get inside our website, it's called www.afjs.org, send us a message and, and we will call you back and try to arrange something. And that project of American Friends, it's 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 Jewish, non-Jewish, Jewish, non-Jews, non-Jews, not never mind. But all the people that think that we live in great days, that we see the miracle in our eyes, how people come back, Jewish people, Jewish nation come back to our homeland. And after 67, we come back to our historical places like Hebron and like Shiloh, Shiloh and Bethel and, and the Shechem and the place of, of, uh, uh, of Avraham Avinu uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Be'er Sheva and all other places that are, this is our homeland and we come back and we develop the area and we, we, we grow up at this area and all the people that believe that we are living in great days of miracles, we ask them to be a membership at our organization and uh, can get inside our, our website, they can register. I, I tell you, I don't, I, don't, I don't raise money, I raise people, but I ask people uh, $180 each year that can help us to, uh, to, to move on and bring more and more and more people and more and more membership to be our organization and slowly, slowly, I hope it will be quickly, but I think uh, uh, we will be the very strong organization that can uh, make uh, a, a, a lot of things to, it's crossroads from down there to make a, a, a education about what's happening in the dance area and tell the people the truth and I think it will be very helpful for us, for the Jewish people that living here in Judean Samaria, to our community, uh, to grow and grow up. So our audience is a little bit selfish in the fact that we want this uh, organization to educate because we have had many uh, guests and participants who actually uh, feature products that come from Judea Samaria. Of course, all the award-winning wines. The, uh, the halvar, the soap, so many things that are from the area that so many of us have purchased because we've learned about it through the show. And when you come to the States, we'd love to have you back in studio live and talk more about it with a lot of your supporters. Again, where can our audience find you? Uh, I, another sentence. I, about you, what you say now, we see that when the Jewish nation come back to Israel, everything is grow up. The wine, wine, wine yard, the winery, the oil, the, the ava, 
and Akhva, Sumsumate, everything is grow up. It's only start at the 100 years that we come back to this land and the land starts to grow up. It's exactly like, like what God tells. When you come back to Israel, everything will go and start back. And who bless you, I will bless him. It's exactly what God say. So the land is also blessed. And, and people can find us in the web uh, in www.afjs, American Friends of Judea and Samaria, afjs.org. And can, uh, you, they, can take, uh, they can be a part of this great miracle, the returning of the Jewish nation to our ancestral homeland. So as somebody who has been there several times and loves it, like my second home, I thank you for the work you're doing. And please come back on the show and update us on all the work. Yigal, uh, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you very much. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. We are excited to announce our new bridal packages for wedding season. We have curated a number of prepackaged combo sets that showcase our beautiful and versatile earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, specifically created for brides. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and designs that will radiate your beauty on your special day. You can shop our bridal packages at thefreshwaterprocompany.com. And for the entire month of June, please know your purchase will help a very special cause. We are donating 5% of our online sales to Runway for Recovery. It's a nonprofit organization that provides support for women and families impacted by breast cancer. Giving back is a big part of what we do as a company, and we appreciate your support as we give back to Runway for Recovery all month long. Thank you. It is the Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. You are listening to your American Patriot DJ. My name, Drew Shelton. Hey, thanks for being there today. Hopefully you enjoyed the program on this day, June 18th. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I'm a dad, of course, and I, it's an amazing honor. It's an amazing feeling. I know I love my dad, and I hope you guys uh, can celebrate your dad today. If you can't, maybe you can remember your dad today. So I'm going to leave you with this song in honor of Father's Day. It's it's a simple one. It's father and son. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, love somebody, be kind, and choose joy in this crazy world. See ya. So it's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy Oh, I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy To be calm when you found something 
going on But take your time Think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not How can I try to explain Cause when I do he turns away again It's always been the same Same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen Now there's a way And I know that I have to go away I know I have to go Just sit down, take it slowly You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to go through Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy All the times that I've cried It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it If they were right, I'd agree But it's them they know, not me Now there's a way, and I know That I have to go away I know I have to go This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot I look forward to seeing you next week Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.